There you go. There it is. That's your new intro music. I know the Braves did it just because Dion was playing for the Braves. It was like a cheer for Dion. Yeah, it was a cheer for Dion before it was a cheer for the Braves. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Nice. I didn't know Dion was an Indian. Dion may not have been an Indian, but he was a Brave. You'll learn all of that and more on this episode of the Burning Questions podcast. On each episode of the Burning Questions podcast, we seek to curate a conversation about smokes, stories, and substance. Today, you're in for a real treat. Josh Hedger is a dear friend of mine. We bonded in part over our shared love for cigars. And currently, Josh is serving as a licensed professional counselor. As we approach the Christmas season, which yes, can be filled with lots of joy, but also a lot of stress for so many people, what better time is there to host a conversation about cigars and mental health? Enjoy this episode of the Burning Questions podcast, and stay tuned until the very end. We'll tell you about a special live episode opportunity with a very special guest. We're gonna be hosting that on January 25th. But for now, without further ado, enjoy this episode of the Burning Questions podcast. So we're here for another episode of the Burning Questions podcast. We are sitting on the back porch, not of the LJ Cigar Lounge, but of the auxiliary location of the LJ Cigar Lounge, LJ Cigar Lounge North, uh, which means it's my back porch. And I'm sitting here with some good buddies. We were talking about college football on a Saturday night in November, right before Thanksgiving. We are smoking some good cigars. We're mm. drinking some good drink. We are in front of an outdoor fire right now. So if you hear a little roar in the background, some crackles, that's what you're hearing. Uh, you hear a meow, that's going to be my cat. You hear some howls off in the distance, those are some coyotes. So welcome to LJ and uh, welcome home. And that's the same word that I actually shared with our guest on the podcast when he showed up at my house to hang out for a couple days, just for this podcast, no other purpose. But uh, <laughs> I'm pleased to introduce you to a guy who is well qualified to speak to all three portions of this podcast. You know, Every episode of the Burning Question podcast, we seek to speak on smokes, we seek to tell stories, and then we seek to get into the substance of life. And our guest today is able to do all three of those things and all three of those things quite skillfully. So without further ado, Josh Hedger, welcome to the Burning Questions podcast. Davis, thanks, man. It's good to, good to be with you. It's been fun to watch the uh, kind of the growth of the uh, LJ Cigar Lounge and of your podcast. I remember listening to your first episode and just being excited for you. Then it wasn't too long after you asked me come by and record one with you when I was in town. So, man, I'm glad to be here. Glad you're here, man. Glad you're here. Before we get into some of our backstory and some of what we're going to talk about today, you know, you have watched the LJ Cigar Lounge and heard about it from me even since it was just a twinkle in my eye, yeah. so to speak. And you talked with Cheris and I about this and helped kind of coach us and uh, help us process some things. And you've just been one of our biggest cheerleaders from day one. So I wanted to tell you that on this podcast to say mm. thank you for all of your support in that regard, man. Oh, you're, you're welcome, man. It's fun. Like, you know, in Kansas City where I live, there's some great cigar lounges. I've been a um, just, it's been a blessing to me. I'm a benefactor of that. I spent a lot of time in those places and just so see you to see you all 
with that dream and that vision and knowing what it could bring to your community and just like the, the community that could come around that. Uh, man, it's been fun to watch. So I'm proud of you for stepping out, man, taking a, a risk. Thanks, a pretty, pretty risky risk. Sure. Right. To I mean, start something like this. And if you're going to risk, do it right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Go big or go home. Go big or go home. That's right. Go big or go home. What'd you think about the lounge when you saw it today? Oh man, it was phenomenal. Like, I mean, I've been to lounges you know, all over the country. It's, it's one of the best lounges I've ever been to. I mean, just, it's like a, it, it's classy. It's like a gentleman's club. The, the chairs, the seating, the outdoor patio, um, the art that's on the walls. I mean, it's just like every piece of it is aesthetically pleasing and just makes you feel comfortable. So if you guys are out there, if you're near in North Georgia area, man, swing by and um, spend a day. It's, it's well worth your time. Amen. Amen. So we always talk about smokes and we always usually smoke during these recordings. Today's no exception. We are finishing up the Imperial Jade, which is a Cameroon wrapper cigar from La Galera. We paired that one with mint juleps earlier oh, so today. Good, man. How was that pairing? How was that cigar? The pairing was phenomenal. Like smoking the cigar, it's really good. That that kind of medium bold, it's so been a really good smoke all the way to the end. I'm at, I'm at the nub. So you can see here, I actually have two cigars lit at the same time because I was like, okay, I'm going to go to my next one. But then I was like, no, I'm going to finish this one. Like I'm going to get it a little bit more till my fingers are burning. Um, but paired with that drink, it was like a really good flavor combo. And good. so thanks for that recommendation. Yeah, man. I guess we're uh, breaking Spurgeon's advice. And I asked Charles Spurgeon, the uh, famous Victorian pastor and avid cigar smoker, if he was ever concerned about smoking to excess. And he replied, well, I never smoked two cigars at the same time. So, of course, I never smoke to excess. I have two hands. I can do two cigars. That's well said. Yes, that's well thanks, said. Man. I'll take your Spurgeon and raise you Josh Hedger. Right. That's, that's right. Absolutely. So, yeah, man, we're smoking those. You've got the Oliva Serie V kind yeah. of as your follow-up cigar. Yeah. Uh, you've spent some time in Florida before coming here to Georgia, and so you've just had a week full of cigar smoking, haven't you? It has, man. I've been with a group of uh, five guys down in Georgia. We get together a couple times a year in kind of a cool place around the country, and uh, we, we smoke cigars. We drink good drinks. We eat great food. We laugh a lot. We always do something fun. This time we were riding jet skis there and just kind of playing and um, making up just fun th activities to do together. And then we just really kind of dive into each other's lives and catch up on what's going on in our families and just kind of spend some time encouraging and each other. But there's a lot of cigar smoking there. So went straight from there to here. Um, I smoke cigars on the regular. I've smoked a lot of cigars this week. Good. And so Good. Um, I might need to take a couple days break. I don't know when I get home. That's understandable. Yeah. That's okay. I'll be with my family for Thanksgiving next week. They don't like cigars. So I'll get a couple days break. Have some built-in break yeah. in there. Yeah. And then you'll probably need some cigars post-Thanksgiving to make up well, for Thanksgiving. Definitely, which worked out well because I went to your lounge today and got some good cigars. So awesome. Awesome. That'll be great, man. What are you most excited about smoking from the lounge that you picked up? Anything <clears throat> in particular stand out? Um, well, you know what? I, I'm not sure what all you got me. Right. Okay. So remember I said, Hey, hook me up with some things that I've not smoked before. Okay. And cause we talked about what I have smoked. And I said, hook me up. So I haven't even looked in the bag of what you selected for me to, to take home with myself. Um, so I'm excited. It's kind of like one of those, uh, it's a, literally in a Brown bag, right? I, I was a youth pastor at a church for a while. And there was like those things where you would like have a Brown bag full of some nasty food and the kids would come up and reach in and whatever you pulled out, you had to eat. And I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting to just go home and reach my hand in there and pull out something good to smoke. And so I hope, hope it's not nasty. I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be. Either. No, there'll be some you like more than others. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. But dude, like, so um, one of the things I'm taking home with me is the Oliva Advent calendar. Yes. Right. So um, if you're out there, you celebrate sort of like Advent. Like every year, Oliva puts out an Advent calendar, which 
is not a calendar as much as it's like a box with 25 cigars, one for each day of Advent. And uh, so this is my third year in a row to have that. And, uh, and so taking that home with me, I'm really looking forward to that, of opening up just a good Oliva cigar each day. It's always a surprise which one do you get that day to smoke. So that's a fun thing of the holiday season. I'm shocked at the variety of that calendar because I figured it would be Florida de Oliva's, like their $4 right, stuff, their right. $5 stuff. But man, they have some good things in there. You got, I think, five different Melanio versions. You got a couple Melanio Maduros, yeah. the Melanios. You got the Lancero, which is yeah. really fun. Uh, you've got... Just normal Siri V's. You've got the Master Blends, which is yeah. a really good full body offer. You got so much good stuff in that. Right. Calendar. Which, which historically the the V Milano has been my favorite cigar. Okay. Like I've never had a bad one. It's always smooth. The flavor's always good. And um, and you know I think 2014 it was the cigar of the year uh, with Aficionado, and I saw that I was like really diving into um, you know the premium cigars for the first time around then. And saw that it was Cigar of the Year. And then I saw it was actually a decent price point for being Cigar of the Year. And so I picked one up, and it was so good that it's kind of been my prime go-to um, since then. So that makes me really excited. Fantastic, man. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing how you enjoy those. Uh, but I want to get into our conversation today. And, you know, kind of one of the first places I want to start is just with some of the low-hanging fruit. So give us – I want to go some backstory for you Maybe even some backstory into our relationship if we get into that. But uh, talk about yourself. How did you first start smoking cigars? Okay, yeah. So my first cigar, I was in college. And um, some friends and I decided to go. We were in college in Springfield, Missouri. <clears throat> and we there was this band we loved to listen to. It was one of those bands, like CDs, right? I'm, I'm, I'll be 43 this week. So, um, so I was in college there in like, you know, 99, 2000, 2001 CDs were big. It was one of those bands where I never have, I never actually saw an actual CD of theirs. It was always bootlegged and they only played in like small coffee shops in Oklahoma. And so we drove to Oklahoma city to see this band and on our way back, one of the guys was like, Hey, let's stop and get cigars for the drive home. And so we did. And by what they meant by stop and get cigars is we stopped at the gas station. We got some Swisher sweets. Oh, man. Right. So that's my first cigar. And I was in the back seat of a two door car um, for a three and a half hour drive uh, with all that smoke coming back to me into the back seat. Had never smoked before. Of course, the cigar wasn't, wasn't very sure, good. Sure. It was a really bad experience. Fast forward a few weeks. And um, <clears throat> there was a, a, a widow at our church um, who was wanting help moving, loading up a U-Haul. She was having to move. So I was over the teenagers, and she asked me if I'd bring some teenagers over and help her load up the U-Haul. So we did. We get done, and she's like, hey, um, I have cash to pay them, but I don't have enough cash to pay you. Do you smoke cigars? And I didn't want to, like, break her heart. So I said yes. And so she took me inside and her husband was like a cigar collector who had humidor after humidor, like plastic Tupperwares with all the you know humidifiers in them. And she brought me in and she gave me about 150 cigars. 150? Yes, I mean, massive box of cigars, dude. So I took them back. I went to like a uh, Christian university and we weren't allowed to have that on campus. So I hid them under my dorm um, bed. And uh, I just started smoking a cigar or two a week and, uh, and started learning to like cigars. And there's a little cigar shop in Springfield called Just For Him. Um, it's one of those little storefront cigar shops that you go in and they have like great merchandise and gifts that you can buy for men. But then you go back to the little lounge part and it's like 
just smoke fest. I mean, just <laughs> smoke is everywhere, you know? And, uh, and I was like, I need to buy a good cigar. What, what's a good cigar I should buy? And they, I don't remember which one, but they had me buy a Davidoff. Okay. And so that was like my first reach into something premium. And, uh, and it was good. And it, it kind of hooked me. And so I had like a season of not smoking quite as often. Um, but, but then um, later, um, living in Kansas City, I had a friend who smoked quite, quite often. And he was just like, hey, what if we met up at a cigar lounge one day a week? And we just like smoked cigars and hung out. And I started doing that. And one cigar a week turned into, mm, I'll just say more than one cigar a week. And, uh, and so kind of, that, that hooked me, man. I was there. So I've been smoking regularly for, since about 2014 now. Phenomenal. Yeah. I'm glad it helps our business out. Yeah. I guess it doesn't. Yeah. I just give you cigars. You just you don't give me cigars. I've never cigars bought a cigar from you. So I'm actually costing you a lot of money. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, but thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate it's it. It's a blessing. It's yeah. a blessing. You've talked a little bit about how cigars have helped you make that friend in Kansas City. Um, the topic of today's conversation is really cigars and mental health. So your background, people have probably picked up on this. Josh is a friendly guy. He is a cigar aficionado. He, he knows his stuff. He smokes well. He smokes often. Uh, he has a pastoral ministry background. He is a churchman, uh, but he also is a uh, licensed counselor. And so we're going to talk about cigars and mental health. And Josh, we'll talk maybe first and foremost about you personally and how cigars have helped your mental health. Uh, but then we'll also talk a little bit about maybe for those who are listening who may be at that crossroads where they're, they know that they're not okay, maybe want to do something about it. We'll dig into some substance on how okay. we can yeah. how we can serve our listeners well through that as well. But okay. let's, let's start with you. How have cigars? I want to talk about a couple different angles here. And the first one is how have cigars helped you develop and maintain healthy relationships? Oh man, what a great question! You know, we are created, I think, or we come into this world, I should say. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're out there and you're like, I'm not sure that we're created, so that that's fine. But we all come into this world looking for someone who's looking for us. Right, um, a psychologist Kurt Thompson you quote uses that phrase. We come into this world looking for someone who's looking for us, and that never changes. Right, like we were, like we were born with a, a need for a relationship. <clears throat> and so, like when you're a child, like you're you're born, you're a baby, like you come out, you know, and you're like, I need someone to comfort me, to feed me. Like you're looking for that. A toddler's like, um, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. I mean, shoot, we're hanging out at your house last night. And your, oh, yeah. kid, your kids who are five and, seven, five and seven, they're just like constantly, it's like, look at me, look at this, right? We want someone looking at us. Um, we get older as kids and that becomes like, are my parents proud of me? Like, am I pleasing them? And then we start thinking about friendships. And I was like, man, what friend group's going to look at me? I'm looking for someone who's looking for me. Who's going to invite me in? So we try all these different realms of, of friendships and groups. And then, um, and then eventually we get old enough that it's like we're looking for that boy or that girl who's looking for us, right? And we start thinking about long-term people looking for us. Um, and that never changes throughout all of our life. Like I sit with, like, I've sat with senior adults who like most of the people in their life have passed on and gone away and they are sitting there alone and they're needing someone to see them, right? So, so that's like a longing that we all have to some degree. And, and for me, like there was just this sense, like being a pastor um, is oftentimes like a lonely road, right? Like you, a lot of people look to you for need and there's people around you all the time, but there's very seldom people who are looking to you to care for you or to just know you. They want to know you, the pastor, 
but you as a person, there's a lot of like mist there. And so like, I was kind of in a lonely place. I was in a new city. Um, and, uh, and just also didn't have a lot of friends in that season of life. I had a few, but it was just kind of a lonely place. And so a guy invites me to come smoke a cigar and sit and talk. And I sit with him and, and smoking a cigar makes you like slow down and be present, right? Like you can't rush it. I mean, I, I guess you can, you, you're a pretty quick smoker yourself. Um, I'm, you, you're always, smoke three cigars you're always one, waiting so. around for me, you know, <laughs> as I'm smoking, I'm a slow smoker and, and I've kind of intentionally made myself do that. You speak faster, but I like to just be slow and, uh, I love to grill food and smoke a cigar and have a charcoal grill, not gas. Right. Because it's like, I want slowness. Like give me an intentional reason to just be present in this moment. And smoking a cigar with somebody is like this an invitation into being present in the moment. And obviously you can smoke a cigar all by yourself and it's super enjoyable and really good for you sometimes. And, and you can smoke a cigar with people around you and pay no attention to the other people, right? Watching a game on the TV or, or whatever. But, um, but when you just get to sit there with someone and there's conversation weaved in and out of smokes, sometimes you're smoking and not saying anything. And then sometimes you just ask the other person a question and just get curious about their life. Um, it just began to give me like something to build friendship around. And it began to kind of meet this longing in my heart for someone to see me and me to see someone have a relationship. And that began to grow um, into more relationships with friends. And, um, and really like the lounge that I go to um, on a regular there in KC, um, it's my cheers, right? Everybody knows your name. And it's the place you walk in and you know the names of all the workers and you know the names of the other regulars and they know your name. And it's always like, I mean, the greeting at the cigar lounge is always, there he is, right? One of those. Like, doesn't matter who walks in, it's there he is. I've never said that. What are you talking You've about? You've never said that? I'm joking. All oh, the time. okay. I was like, all wow, you're, uh, you, need to, you need to say that at your lounge. That's, uni- that's universal cigar talk. It right is, there. man. There he is, right? And, and so like to sit in the lounge and like I could be sitting there and, and here I am, at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a counselor now. I was a pastor. Um, they would call me pastor at the lounge. Guys would pull me inside and be like, hey, pastor, can I talk to you about something? And would have a conversation about something going on in their life. Man, I need prayer for this. Or man, my wife has cancer. And do you think God's angry at us because like he let my wife have cancer and would have these meaningful conversations. But I'd be sitting there as a pastor and next to us is like the chief of police. Right. And next to him is like the, a retired, um, uh, uh, retired flight um, control, air, air, air flight control guy. And um, sitting sitting over next to him is a guy that was a um, oh, he was a Secret Service and he's wow. protected um, five different presidents. Right. And so you're like you're getting all these different men in there and you're just getting to hear stories and ask questions and learn about p- different people's experiences in life. And so even men that I wouldn't necessarily go, hey, that's my friend. Um, but there are men that it's like, Hey, like we have something in common, what we have in common cigars. We all come from all these different walks of life and experiences, but we can meet up around a smoke and we can talk about these different things. We have differences of opinion. We argue like we disagree with each other, but around that smoke, like it kind of brings some commonality that we can just kind of be who we are and accept each other and get to know someone from a completely different walk of life. So, man, it's been really meaningful to me that way. And then, like we said at the beginning, man, like I've just developed deeper and deeper friendships. And so like you and I, like we text photos to each other all the time of what we're smoking, you know, and just kind of do that. So it's like even you here in Georgia and me in Kansas City, like it's kept a relationship going um, around cigars. And um, 
and it's just it, it's it's been really healthy for me to have friendships built around that yeah man it has for me too I want to go back to your hurried life comment before I do um, just a quick anecdote who are some of the most famous or most interesting people that you've gotten to smoke cigars with seems like you meet some characters out in Kansas City we do meet some characters I mean man like the, the guy I told you about this secret service agent like some of the craziest stories right I mean him walking through what it was like on 9-11 wow when everything went down uh, with you know and, and Bush was responding to that and uh, and what it was like for him um, being there as um, as one of the agents um, just just to kind of get to see and hear different stories like that like he wouldn't be a famous person you know like no one knows him but just these these in, intense stories in their life um, man, like, you know, being there in Kansas City, it's it's not um, unusual for, um, you know, like a former chief to come into the um, lounge or present chief to come into the lounge. You know, you get to connect, see for a moment Neil Smith or, you know, someone like that who's walking in and buying cigars or hanging out at the lounge. And our cigar lounge does cigar parties. You all do that a lot, too. You'll have, sure. you know, um, company come in, they'll bring their reps and they throw a big party and they'll invite local celebrities that come in and smoke. So those have just been fun. And it's also really interesting at our lounge. Like, it's such a mixture of people again. Um, but, like, like, I'll look around some days, and there'll be, like, 12 pastors sitting in the cigar lounge. And, like, they're talking to different people that are meeting with them. Or they're just working on a sermon or this and that. And then you look over here's a Catholic priest who's sitting in there reading um, something and smoking a cigar. And then, you know, like, I'll be sitting down talking with another guy that, like, he, he doesn't give a crap about the idea of God sure. whatsoever. And, uh, and, and again, we all just get to kind of have this commonality. So it's just kind of been fun to meet a whole wide spectrum of different people. Awesome. So you talked a little bit about how cigars have helped you fight hurry in your life. I think maybe an important starting point as we get into the substance of this conversation is we talk about cigars and mental health and mental health in general. Maybe camp out for a few minutes and tell us, you know, what is hurry? What does it look like in our lives? Why is it detrimental to our physical, mental, spiritual health? And what are some important ways that we can go about fighting that in our daily lives? It's a great question, man. Sorry for that pause. I was trying to get my cigar lit. I'm, having, I'm talking too much and not smoking enough, I ask enough, good questions man. and then I just you sit back and listen. And let my cigar go, go out, man. Um, yeah, man. So, you know, I want to I want to be clear that like I I'm all for like being someone who works hard, right? So when we talk about like hustle, like I'm not talking about like hey let's the 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 antithesis to hustle being laziness, right? Like man I I've started multiple businesses and and careers and work hard like that's something to value, um, and and being present and being active like I've got kids you know like there's in a lot of ways there's it's, we're always hustling doing something. But maybe thinking of hustle more as like a state of mind or heart, kind of a peacefulness of heart. And sometimes that means like literally slowing down in life, right? We, we all need that at times. Um, but a lot of times it even means like in the midst of whatever you're doing, having a peacefulness and a steadiness, a stillness of mind and heart, right? Which is like an internal thing that has to happen. Um, you know, like I've started two different churches, and, and one of those, like we started it and it went from 24 people to like 500 people in wow. six months and just kind of, kind of grew. And it was just hustle. It was like hard work. It was like running all the time, busy, you know, trying to shepherd 800 people just is a, a, exhausting. It's hard work. There's always need. 
there's always more to do. And that's the way it is, whatever your career is, you know? Um, I mean, you know, I was a server for a while and uh, I love paying my way through masters, my programs. And I love being a server uh, because like you had this moment of hustle, like a couple hours, and then you went home and never had to think about it again until the next night when you got back to the hustle. That was like a different world, right? But for most of us in our careers, it's like, there's always more to do. There's more to do at your house. There's more to do in parenting. There's more to do with your spouse or your partner. Um, there's more to do at work. Um, and our culture is like so riveted with entertainment and with busyness and with mind numbingness, right? So, I mean, even just the fact that in our pockets, we have phones that we can pull out and just scroll mindlessly, right? And just watch videos or read articles or check up on things. And I found that cigars are so helpful because what it does is it actually brings me to a place where if I'm willing to do it, right? Again, you can sit and scroll on your phone while you're smoking a cigar. But if I can lean into the moment, I'm like, okay, this cigar in my hand, I've got an hour to an hour and a half where I'm just going to sit and I'm actually not going to be afraid of my thoughts, right? What's going on inside of me. And so when we talk about like removing hustle, one of the big things that we're looking at there is, hey, are you able to just kind of slow down and be present with yourself? And most of us are terrified of that, right? We're really scared to find out what's actually going on in our heart, what's going on in our mind, what are we feeling, what are we experiencing? Because to be honest, like most of us have experienced a lot of hurts and wounds and disappointment in life. Um, there's a lot of suffering out there, like lots of bad things happen and we don't want to address those. Right. Especially as men, right? Like our culture, like, Hey, be tough, like just push through. Um, and I'm all for toughness and I'm all for pushing through and doing what needs to be done for the sake of yourself and others. Um, but man, if we can like find this place where we're able to slow down and not run from our thoughts, not run from our feelings, but just be present and quiet for a little bit, like there's actually a great healing that can start to come from that. And, um, and one of the benefits of smoking a cigar is it actually helps you be able to do that and it not be so overwhelming, right? So whether that's the, the chemicals in the cigar and what they're actually doing in our brains and kind of calming us in the moment for a short time, at least, right? It kind of brings us there. It's um, something to pay attention to, right? Like as we're sitting here, like my cigar keeps going out. I keep having to light it. Like there's something like, it's like, okay, I'm going to puff. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to sit for a little bit. I'm going to pick it back up, relight it, you know, go for this. Like it gives you something to kind of break up those thoughts a little bit to kind of give a buffer on it. So it's not like an avalanche crushing you. Instead, you just kind of get um, a slow experience of, of your feelings and your, your thoughts to sit with. And then you bring back in the relational piece and you have someone there that maybe you can have some conversation with about what you're experiencing in life, like what you've seen um, over this cigar. And I, I know a lot of that sounds like um, really scary um, to do. It's still scary for most people, especially for men. Um, but man, like I really believe what we would actually see is that the healing that we would need in our lives, whether it's anxiety or depression or anger, temper, um, fear, like all of that gets healed through relationships with other people, right? It's through people caring for us, people who are listening to us. It's, it's why even just like talk therapy, right? Where you just get to go to a therapist and therapist actually does very little other than just listen. Most of us, no one listens to us, 
right? We, at home, we feel like no one's listening to us at work. We can't talk to anybody. Here's a therapist that will just listen and we just talk. And uh, I, I'm not a talk therapist. I, I like to go back and forth and ask good questions and give feedback and give some counsel. But even a type of therapy like talk therapy, it's like so refreshing. And so a lot of times at the lounge, I find myself, that's what people are doing with me. They're sitting down smoking. I ask them one good question and then they just start talking. And I just get to sit back and smile and listen and let them experience a type of healing by slowing themselves down, someone listening to them and having this conversation. So I want to give you a time to light your cigar up. Wow. Oh, it's lit. I got it, man. Still I saved it, it on this one. I took a really big puff and that went down a little farther than I meant it to. But do you, do you mean a swig of cigar? Is that what you're talking about? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So what Davis is referring to is um, my wife. Uh, typically, almost every cigar I smoke around her, she always wants to take a puff of my cigar or a few puffs. But she doesn't call it a puff. She calls it a swig. And uh, the first time she did it, I was like frustrated. I'm like, it's not a swig, it's a puff. And because it frustrates me, now she intentionally calls it a swig all the time. So, yeah. So thanks for thanks for pestering me with that one. Never change. Never Shout change. Shout out Tish. to my wife. Never change. Yeah. Yep, hundred percent. So, as as you know, I can talk about our relationship, and I know that we started off. Purely one-dimensional. Of 2016, as a seminary student exploring church planting, you're in a role at the seminary I was going to, coaching and helping church planters kind of figure out next steps and plans forward. And that's how we met one another. And then, as I planted, turns out we became part of two of the same church planting networks, right? Core 36 yeah. from Lakewood Baptist Church in Gainesville. I'm sure is thrilled that we are mentioning them on a <laughs> podcast called the Burning Questions Podcast. We're talking about cigars that's and, right, and, and, and uh, drinks. That's right. That's yeah. right. Thanks, Lakewood. Um, but also Acts 29, which would be very pleased that we're mentioning them on this podcast. I think it's required to be in. Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. So, you know, we, we shared some partnership load and some ministry load there. But in 2020, right before COVID, we met face-to-face for the first time, smoked a cigar for the first time. And really from that moment, and certainly in 2022, uh, we have just connected. And, and I am so grateful for your friendship, grateful for the relationship that was purely professional and then purely kind of a partnership into something that's deeply personal right now. Hmm. Uh, cigars were a big part of that. We had yeah. cigars in common, and we figured out how we could really have so much more shared experience together based on an interest that we shared together. Yeah. Um, I also really appreciate how you got me to a point where I was able to overcome the stigma of being a macho man, having my stuff together, being strong, being tough, just kind of gritting and bearing and suffering through some hard times. I was in a really dark spot late in 2021 and early in 2022. And our relationship, though you never gave me maybe direct advice to go see a counselor, our relationship was such that I knew that no matter who thought that I was weak or insecure or needy from doing that, I was like, you know, Hedger, Hedger's going to be proud of me for doing this. Hedger's going to be grateful that I did this. Mm. And so that was meaningful to me in so many ways. And I know my experience of sensing abandonment, uh, the loneliness that comes from that, the lack of trust of people, some of the PTSD of conflict, like my, my counselor and I were very he was so helpful for me in processing that in a healthy way. But I know my experience. You know more of a broad landscape of the current climate of mental health, especially post-COVID, maybe what people are experiencing, what are some common triggers from that. 
I don't really have a specific question as much as I'd love for you to share from your heart some of the things that you feel like our listeners should hear in terms of mental health, some of the stigmas behind it, maybe some of the misconceptions behind it. Um, am, I, am I leading you in well enough maybe to start speaking from, from just a platform of what you'd like our listeners to hear on these things? Yeah, man, that's, that, those, those are great. Um, way, to, way to team me up. I appreciate a little softball pitch there for me to hit. I, that's great. Um, man, yeah, I'm so proud of you for doing the journey that you've done with counseling and just getting um, the care and the help that you, that you needed. And, um, you know, I did the same journey myself and, you know, my, my journey of, um, mental health, uh, I came from an incredibly stable family, but a family that was like really well known and in the spotlight in a lot of ways and a family where the expectation on me internal and external in a lot of ways was, um, to be good. Right. And to be um, successful. And my parents never like um, put that on me like in an overt way. Right. Um, But I perceived it a lot. Memory is a it's memory is this weird thing. Right. Memory is not just about the facts of what happened. Right. We don't have a videotape going in our mind that's recording and we can go back and we can play and go, look, here's exactly what happened. Memory is a combination of the facts that happened and the way we perceive them, right? And so a lot of us have memories of things that transpired in our lives um, that might not actually be factually true if we were to go back and have a videotape of what actually transpired. But for some reason, at the state of life that we were in, with all the experiences that we had had, that moment was impressed upon us in a very um, unique and interesting way that, that caused a wound or a hurt. Uh, my wife and I are both therapists. We're both trauma therapists. Um, I do most of my work with domestic abuse and with childhood abuse, sexual abuse. Um, and so, like, we work with what you would typically consider, like, legit, like, big traumatic things. Um, and what always surprises me is how often someone comes in and they don't think that anything significantly bad has happened in their life, but they're riddled with anxiety or they just feel depressed, or they feel like they just always want to isolate themselves. They're emotionally distant from everyone. And as we begin to kind of talk and dig in, like there was something that happened at some point within their childhood, their teenage years, where they had like a need. Like maybe there was a fear, there was a worry, something had happened to them and they went to someone who was supposed to be there to protect them or to comfort them or to help them. And the person wasn't there. Right, whether they were truly physically absent or and just didn't come to their rescue or come to their care, or they were physically present but emotionally absent, you know, like I mean, as as men, you know, we experience this a lot with things like, hey, toughen up, um, you know, hey, hey, get up, shake it off, you know, um, uh, we're, we're crying, that thing of I'll give you something to cry about, you know, or <laughs> hey, you better tuck that lip in, you know, those sorts of things, and and our culture has been so consumed with creating tough men, right? That I think what we've actually missed is the ability of creating resilient men. Wow. Right. And, and so we have a bunch of men who are tough in the sense that they avoid emotion. They choose not to feel it. They stuff it down and they decide, I'm just going to pretend like that's not there and press through. You can't hurt me. Right. And I'm just going to keep moving forward, but that's not the way our bodies work. Right. Our, our bodies actually store 
um, hurts and wounds and emotions in them. So we love to take them. We love to, uh, if you can like think of the, the image of like a cardboard box and we have some emotion and we like stuff it in a box and we stuff it as full as we can. And we take the tape and we tape up the top of that box and it's kind of bulging out a little bit as we keep those emotions in there. And then we go out to the garage of our life and we sit them in the corner of our garage and we try to pretend like they're not there. Right. But eventually those boxes come tumbling down. Right. And they hit the ground, they bust open and the emotions come out in a way that's painful to us and to other people. Right? And so we see this in angry um, men. We see this in abusive husbands and fathers. We see this in control and domineering. Um, we see this in avoidant men who just pull away and they um, they try to escape their wives or their children or other relationships. Um, we see this with women as well. Just assuming smoking podcasts most of our listeners are men and and we're men so i'm kind of talking from that perspective but um but so we try to just do that we put our boxes of emotions in the corner and act like they're not there instead of going you know what like it would actually be healthy if i like took my emotion out on the porch um smoked a cigar with it looked it in the face and said hey why are you here Uh. what are you doing here like man i feel anxious why do i feel anxious like what am i scared of what am I worried about? What do I fear I have to lose right now? Why did that meeting with my boss, why did it disturb me to the soul? What's, what's to lose right now? Um, why did that, why did my wife questioning me about that? Why did I get so defensive with her? Why did I get angry and yell at her and walk out the door? Why, why is that going on? Right? And it's one of the things I love about cigars. I can sit down and I can ask myself those types of questions while I'm smoking a cigar. I literally have a conversation with myself and go, why is this here? And if I invite someone else into that and go, hey, I need, to, I need to process something with you, right? Like, man, today, like, I lost my crap on my wife. Um, today, I was so impatient with my son. Like, I was so frustrated. I don't know why. Um, I need help thinking through that, right? Because I don't want to don't, like, don't damage them. I don't want to hurt them. Like, I want that relationship. Or, and lately, I've just been slacking off at work. I have no motivation. Like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to do that job. I'm doing it just because I have to provide. But I go in there. I feel like I'm a dead man going to work. Like, what's wrong with me? And we're curious about it, right? Coming, coming out of COVID, we see this pandemic of loneliness, mm. right? Um, statistics would tell us that between 45 and 55% of people actually regularly feel lonely. All right, so we had isolation of the pandemic and what that equaled. We had the loss of facial expressions because of masks, at, at least in some parts of the country we had that as we were kind of going through that, you know. Um, but then we also just learned a new life that's so much digital, right? It's online and we're just isolated from other people much more than we used to be. And through that process, like we've just found that people are over and over again, um, just wrestling with deep loneliness. They can be surrounded by people and feel lonely. Um, and what's interesting is in the brain, the same part of your brain that registers loneliness registers pain, right? It's the same part that, that plays out both. So loneliness ends up coming out feeling like pain, right? And there's a type of grief that comes with that. Like, why am I alone? Why do I feel like people are always looking at me, but not seeing me? Like, why do I feel like no one understands me? Why do I feel like I can't be myself with anyone and be accepted? And, um, and so like, you know, in my encouragement to myself and to you, like of going into counseling and, and getting help was, Hey, like, go explore that. Like go talk with someone, um, that you can be completely open with, um, literally by HIPAA, they're not allowed to tell anyone else about it. 
right? So it's like, this is a completely safe place to go and to sit down with someone and just go, man, like my life's not what I thought it would be. And it's messing me up. Or man, like I've been having these nightmares, these flashbacks of my childhood, and I'm not sure what's going on, but it's bothering me. Or man, like I just don't have any patience with my kids and I want to know why. Right. And just let someone begin to ask you some good questions and don't be scared of them. Um, it can be painful to explore those things. Um, but healing always comes through that process, right? Life comes through death, this type of idea and being able to die to some of the fear of doing that and be open and honest with someone else and have someone else speak into your life and ask you some good questions. It can open up a whole new understanding of yourself and of other people. Um, so that those relationships that matter most to you, like they, they can actually be life giving rather than a drain. Um, and so, um, man, I just, I encourage, you know, anyone that's out there that that's listening, whether you're a guy or, or a girl, like if there's something there, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression or loneliness or fear or, um, anger or a relationship issue, like look for some help, you know, like find a, find a licensed therapist, find a, uh, certified counselor, um, start that process and, uh, and just start leaning into going, Hey, help me understand this. And, and as we begin to do that, that often helps us in the other relationships. And then we can begin to do it more naturally with like just you and me sitting here. Sure. Right. Like we couldn't have the conversations we have if neither one of us had done the work we'd done Correct. with the counselor to really be okay with being that way with each other. Correct. Um, and so, and now we're more resilient. So it's like, to, I mean, shoot, dude, like in my family, the last, the last couple months have just been hell. Right. Like just a lot of suffering, physical suffering, mental suffering, um, relational, um, vocational. It's just been some hard things in my life in the last year. And um, and I'm more resilient. They don't throw me off like they used to make me spin out of control and panic attacks. Like I'd literally have to pull my car over the side of the road and be hyperventilating like in panic. And through the work, like being able to just be steadfast, not tough and act like it's not bothering me, but go this, this sucks. This is hard. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, I'm okay. Right. Like I don't want it to be this way and I hope it's not this way for long, but I'm steady through it. Right. And so, yeah, man, um, talk to someone, reach out to someone. Yeah. It's really good. Life comes through death. What a phrase. Yeah. What a phrase. It's like, there's some truth to that. Some substance. There's some substance there. That's right. There's, there's a great story there, there is. as well. There yeah, is. yeah. Tell me, uh, maybe, I, I think through kind of some practical takeaways, and so maybe something that would be helpful as a framework for those who are listening. Maybe this isn't appropriate. Maybe this isn't. But, but if it is, could you give us some signs of like, hey, when, when you're experiencing these things, it's time to take your emotions on the back porch and ask them why they're here. And when you're experiencing these things, it may be time to bring somebody else in. And when you're experiencing these things, it may be time to really seek some professional help, some licensed help. Like, is yeah. there any triage for, for framing that, if that makes sense? Yeah, man. I, I, I think there's a few things. One, I think that if you notice that there's any sort of pattern of behavior in your life that you're like, I wish this wasn't here, right? That's a sign to, like, do some work, right? Like, I wish I wasn't addicted to this. Like, man, like, I can't make it through the week without... Um, drinking in excess and, and getting drunk. Like that's a numbing, right? Like we started that because we needed to numb the pain. We had to avoid the thoughts, the feelings and numb that. So we go to that, right? 
if whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it is um, sex addiction, whether it's drugs, right? Like if I'm numbing myself, like that's, that's an issue, right? What you're doing is you're, you're trying to numb what you're feeling and thinking, um, avoid that. Um, and, and try instead to, to go out and go, Hey, why, why is this here? What am I trying to avoid? Why am I trying to avoid that? How do I move through that? If there's someone else in your life who's going, Hey, like you need help, mm. <laughs> right? Like it's good. that feels like an attack, right? It's like, man, something's wrong with you. And guess what? You, there is, right? There's something wrong with all of us, right? We're all wounded. We're all broken. We've all had hard experiences. None of us are like perfect beings, Right. And so if someone goes, man, like there's something wrong, like you're so distant from us or man, you're always angry. Like rather than than springboarding into defense, which we're probably going to do, maybe so maybe rather than springboarding in defense after we've sprung board into defense and we have some time to let that sit, go, man, I wonder why, why that was so important that they that they challenged me on that. Right. And if this is someone that I deeply care about, that they know me, they see me firsthand and they have that concern, then I should listen to that and go, okay, what, let me be curious. What's going on with me? You know, what's, what do I, is there really something here? And what's it hurt to go ask someone, Hey, is there really something here? Help me think through this. You know, if you're having panic attacks, anxiety, your chest is tight. you like, your, your head is spinning. You feel like just a deep pressure in your neck. Like there, like there's something trying to come out of the top of your head. If you will, like emotions trying to come out and you're like, I got to hold this down. Like I refuse to cry in front of someone. I can't show any weakness. Um, if those things are going on, um, there's something that's, that's, that's broken that needs cared for. Um, you know, with, think of our children, right? Like children are incapable of regulating themselves, right? So like, if you're listening, you have kids, like think about like your child, something happens and they just spin out of control, like emotion. They're crying or they're screaming or they're throwing stuff or they're upset. Like, and we're like, Hey, stop that. You know, like a child can't, can't regulate their own emotions. They have to have someone else help them regulate it. They can shut it off and stuff it. Right. Um, so that there's no punishment or penalty, but they can't regulate it themselves. So our children learn how to put their emotions in boxes in the corner of the garage. Yeah. Right. And we bring that with us to adulthood. Um, they needed someone to help care for them and regulate that. And the reality is like all of us are still carrying those memories of our childhood with us, like in our bodies. Right. Our, our, there's the famous book um, title is uh, the body keeps the score. Right. Our bodies have more realistic memory than our mind does. We can put bad things away in our minds and pretend like they didn't happen, but our bodies still recognize them. So you have some experience and all of a sudden you're like feeling panicked or anxious or worried. And you're like, where the crap did that come from? Like, what am I, why am I experiencing that? It's probably something pretty old, right? It's probably because it's reminding your body of an experience you've had. Your nervous system is now hotwired and it's going crazy and it's spinning out of control. And you can tell it, calm down all you want. Um, but the prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that's logic and reason isn't strong enough to convince the amygdala, the part of your body that's that fight, flight, freeze mode that's connected to that nervous system. It's not strong enough to, to calm it down, right? And so that's why we feel out of control sometimes. We're like, why can't I just calm down? And so we breathe things in like breathing exercises. Let me slow down and breathe. Um, you know, it's interesting the way our bodies are designed, like our senses can help calm that, 
right? Our, we can't reason with ourselves, but our senses can help calm that. So like one of the things that we'll just like help clients work through is something along the lines, we just call it five senses and we'll say, hey, what, if you're having a panic attack or anxiety or you just feel overwhelming fear, um, like I have this overwhelming emotion, my nervous system's going crazy, it's hijacked me, I'm out of control. Pause just long enough to go, what are five things that I see right now? What are four things that I can touch right now? Mm. So I'm sitting at this table. I can see the fire. I can see the TV and the mantle. I can see your, your face looking at me. I see my cigar burning here on the ashtray. I can see my drink, right? What are four, um, what are four things that I can touch? Well, I'm, I'm right now I'm touching my drink. I'm touching the cigar. I'm touching the microphone here. I'm touching this cold glass table <laughs> on this chilly North Georgia night, right? I can, what are four things I can touch? What are three things that I can hear? Right, I hear the fire roaring. I hear the sound of my voice. I hear your wicker chair like squeaking as you move around in it. I'm sure right? our listeners do as well. Yeah, I'm sure that they do. You're kind of fidgety today. Um, you should go to counseling about that. Right. Why do you think you're here? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Right. What are what are um, two things that I can hear? Um, what are what, what are two things that I can smell? Um, what's one thing I can taste? Right. And we go through our senses and the way our, our bodies work as we do that, it helps ground us right here in this moment. Because most of the time when we're overwhelmed and our nervous system is going crazy and we feel really defensive or angry or anxious, like our nervous systems hijacked us. And it's kind of, it's kind of all these experiences we've had in life are all flowing at one time. And it feels like we're overreacting, but I'd say it's compound reacting. We're reacting to a whole host of things, not just to this moment. And by going through that senses practice, we actually remind ourselves, hey, right now, I'm right here, All right? There's a lot of things I've gone through, but right now I'm just right here. This is the moment I'm in. Let me be present here. Is there a real threat right now, right? Or do I just perceive there's a threat to me because of all these other experiences? And as we do that with our senses, it calms the amygdala, quiets the nervous system, and we can think more clearly so that we can respond in a more healthy way to the experience that we're having. It's good. And thanks for sharing all of that. Um, you know, one, I'll, I'll, I'll close here with a couple questions that some listeners submitted. Yeah. And then if there's anything else that you want to share, uh, go ahead and share for it. But I want to be respectful of your time. I want to be respectful of our listeners' time. Um, I, I think the timing of this podcast, you know, we'll publish right after Thanksgiving and right before Christmas. And holidays can be a triggering time for a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And so I hope this conversation is helpful. When it comes to, you know, one of the questions that one of our listeners submitted was when it comes to coping mechanisms, like we've got a, we've got a philosophy and I'd even call it a theology of how, whether it's drink, whether it's cigars, tobacco, you know, pipe tobacco, um, whatever these things are, there's a good and healthy use in place of those. And there's also an abuse of those. Yeah. So with any coping mechanism, the stuff that you just mentioned, how can we, how can we use those things in wisdom? How can we enjoy a gift and a release without it becoming a dependency. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we, we always have to think through moderation and our dependence upon this now. And like, I want to be, I want to be very honest and just straightforward that there's times that you need something to help calm yourself. There's a true reality of where I'm at. I need some sense of coping. Right. So, man, like I even noticed this, like, you know, I've never been an alcoholic. I've never been addicted to any um, drug. Um, there was a season when I was like, uh, I would say I was addicted to pornography for a season of life. Um, and I can think back to like when I began that and like 
the, all the things that were going on in my life of why did I lean into that? Um, and I think that there is a lot of reasons why I went to that for comfort, right? Porn is like dopamine. It's a dopamine hit to your brain that calms your nervous system. Um, and so I went to it because I didn't know how to go to other people to receive that calming. Um, now, um, you know, I think one of the things that we go to the most is just a numbness of entertainment, whether that's TV or our phones. We're just, I got to constantly have noise, constantly have distraction. I can't sit still. When we see ourselves being depended upon something to just be able to function, then I think that that's when there's a cause for concern, right? Like I smoke proactively um, to sit and to think and to reflect on these things. Um, but there was a mo- there time when I was like, you know what? I think I'm leaning into this too much. Um, and I had to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back and I'm going to smoke like two cigars a week right now on the weekend and not during the week. And, and I had to do it just to prove to myself, hey, I'm not like dependent upon this to be okay. Um, so I think that there's always times, and a lot of times, like the, whatever the substance is, it's maybe it's food, right? Like, I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. Some of us are just going to eat ourselves into bliss. Um, there's a place where that's okay. You know, there's a place where it's like, hey, let's feast and let's celebrate. Uh, my birthday's on Thanksgiving this year, so I'm going to like doubly feast, right? So I'm like, all right, this is going to be a great day. Um, but um, But there's the reality of, and if this is something that I feel like I can't let go of and I can't, I can't go home without a drink first, right? I can't go to work without numbing myself first. I can't face my family without first looking at porn, right? Like I need that dopamine hit to calm myself. Like there's an issue there, right? And so to, to just admit that and they talk to someone, get help with that, um, but then for some of us, it's like, no, I, I don't need it. Um, I just get to do this out of enjoyment. And, um, and so that's, that's a different thing. Like all things are profitable or all things are permissible. Not all things are profitable. Right? As we, we see in scripture, there's a place where this is, hey, this is okay. I can enjoy this um, um, for my own good. That's good. Last question that, again, one of our listeners submitted. You know, we've talked a lot about us receiving care maybe close with some words of counsel, some words of wisdom for us who know someone who's hurting, who's Mm. in a tough spot. We may not be licensed professional counselors, uh, but how can we be a help? How can we be a friend? How can we care in our own lanes and our own spheres of influence? What words of wisdom do you have for us on that? What an excellent question. Um, So, I think that maybe the way I'll sum it up is we can never underestimate the value of being present, right? In someone's life. Um, If we all came into this world looking for someone looking for us, then what someone needs the most when they're in a hard place is someone who's looking for them, who's there for them, who's, who's with them. Um, you and I both are familiar with the story of Job in the Bible, right? He goes through all kinds of suffering and he loses his children and he loses his house and he loses his livestock and he loses his crops. And all this news comes to him in one day, just boom, 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 one after another suffering. And he has friends that come and visit him in his suffering. And when they show up, they just sit with him in quiet and it's going really well. And they're comfort- it's comforting to him. And then they decide to open their mouths and try to fix it. And it just unravels. It 
goes really bad. It becomes a lot of accusations and a lot of um, just, uh, you know, phrases that they use that are just hurtful and harmful. Um, we could obviously, I think there's an appropriate place and time to speak into someone's life with wisdom, but more importantly, it's to be with them, like just to be present, not to leave them, right? Like a child who's distressed, like if a parent can come along and just like be there, can hug them if they'll receive a hug, can just sit by them if they need that, like it calms the child over time. Like it, it might make you a little late for the appointment that you're trying to get to, but your child calms rather than stuffing the emotion. They helps them regulate it with your spouse, with a friend like that, that's going through something just to be like, Hey, like I see that this is really hard. If you want to talk about it, I'll listen. If you don't want to talk about it, that's okay. But know that I'm here. Like it matters to me. Um, it makes sense. You feel that way. I'm sorry that you're doing that. Um, Davis, there was, uh, this group of guys I was with this week, right? A couple years ago, um, we were at this horse ranch in Nashville for a week and, uh, and we were going through things and we actually had a therapist that came in and did some group therapy with us. And he was doing this group therapy with me. It was my turn. So I'm with this therapist. His name was Jack Nicholson. How cool is that? And he was this old man and I, it would have been cooler if he was the Jack Nicholson, you know, that would have been, were you able to handle the truth? That's the real question. I was handling the truth in sobbing tears. Um, so Jack's just right in front of my face going through something. And he, like, as he was counseling me, all these other men, strong leaders, you know, um, strong men, um, like we were newer. I think this was our second time together, right? So these are newer relationships. They're all around the room, circled around us, watching this happen. And Jack's talking to me and he's like counseling me through something. And I just like start breaking down in tears. And I'm sharing with him about a time in my life within the last five years where I was like suicidal and I had to ask my wife to go hide the knives, right? Like I just wanted to to kill myself. Like I didn't want to face another day. Um, And was going through these things. And, And at the time I was a pastor and a lot of it was centered around the fear of disappointing people, right? I mean, the reality is like we disappoint people every day. Right. But I was in that place where I wasn't okay with doing that. And, and as a pastor, people are always disappointed with you. They're disappointed in how you preach. They're disappointed in how you cared for them. They're disappointed that you didn't come to the hospital soon enough. They're disappointed with the decision that you made. Um, because as a pastor, it's like you're dealing with people's physical lives, emotional lives, spiritual lives, relational lives. Um, and there was just like always disappointment. And I was terrified. And I had this great fear that there was going to come some point in my life where I was going to disqualify myself um, from ministry, meaning I would have some, what we would consider a sin that the Bible would tell me, hey, I can't pastor anymore. It would be humiliating. I would do this great letdown. And I had this deep belief that if that happened, like very few people would actually care about me, mm. would want a relationship with me. They, they, they care that I'm there because I'm a pastor not because I'm Josh, right? And it was like deep loneliness. Like what I was fearing was loneliness and isolation and not being wanted, not being seen, right? Looking for someone to look at, look for me. And Jack just looked me in the face and he said, Josh, if that happens, call me. I'll go get a cup of coffee with you, right? And I just started sobbing and I looked around the room and all these men are crying. And, and it was this incredible moment. Like it was a life changing moment of someone going, Hey, if everyone else leaves you, I'll get a cup of coffee with you. Right. And then another man stepped up and he said, Josh, like I will, 
um, defend you to the point of heresy and disqualification. And I will love you far past that. Right? Like these men are going, I'm not going to leave you. Like we're with you no matter what, even if you completely jack this up, right? We're with you. That commitment of some people to me was the game changer in my life to spur me into a season of emotional health and healing that could bring a steadiness in me that actually prepared me for seasons of suffering that I couldn't even fathom were about to come. Right. But had I gone through that suffering without that moment of knowing these men are with me, no matter what, like, I don't know that I would have made it right. So, so if you're out there and you see someone that's struggling as someone who's depressed or lonely, isolated, that's anxious, that's um, just dealing with some sense of uh, what we'd call like a mental or emotional health issue. Um, just be present with them. Like, just let them know you're there. You're not going to leave them. Like, you'll be there no matter what comes for them. That is one of the most healing things that a person can experience in life. My friend, thank you for your presence in my life. Man. And uh, thank you for your Same. presence with our listeners in, yeah. in just a short hour you know, yeah. on this podcast episode, man. It's been a blessing to me. I hope it's a blessing to many who listen. Yeah. Anything else that you want to share with us before we wrap it up and close it out? Man, I'm just thankful for you. Likewise, the things that you said, uh, thanks for your presence in my life, the, the way that you've encouraged me and invested in me. Um, and uh, uh, man, let's, let's burn another one together soon. Amen. Amen. Hey, if folks want to follow more of your work and ministry, how can they do that? How can they stay in touch with you? Yeah, man. So um, I, uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, um, and, and Instagram, um, though I probably won't accept you on Instagram. Never mind about that one. I keep that one pretty <laughs> private. Um, but Twitter is kind of my public place where I'm posting things. Um, uh, j- handles Josh Hedger. Josh Hedger. Um, J-O-S-H-H-E-D-G-E-R. Uh, and then also our, our website is uh, Hedger Counseling, H-E-D-G-E-R Counseling. Um, dot co. And so um, you can find us there. Um, man, if there's someone that you're like, hey, I know this person needs help, um, man, you could refer them, you could reach out. Um, and if we can't help them, we'll refer them to someone who you think could. So um, uh, know that there's a resource out there for you. Awesome. Josh, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Burning Question podcast, man. Appreciate you yeah. more than you know. Absolutely. You too, man. What a gift that conversation was for me. I hope that you were deeply comforted and encouraged by it as well. Special thanks again to Josh Hedger for making the space to join me on the Burning Questions podcast. The gifts don't stop coming though. We're excited to announce that for the second year in a row, we will be hosting Ben Ingram, the radio voice of the Atlanta Braves at the LJ Cigar Lounge for a live recording of the Burning Questions podcast on Thursday, January 25th. You can learn more about that event and purchase a $20 ticket at ellajcigars.com backslash shop. And as always, we'd love for you to forward your questions for Ben or for any future episode to hello at burningquestionspodcast.com. This will be our last episode of 2023. We look forward to more fun on the Burning Questions podcast in 2024. Be sure you don't miss a minute. Subscribe to the Burning Questions podcast wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. And please help us spread the word to others who might appreciate this sort of content. Finally, on behalf of all of us here at the LJ Cigar Lounge and the Burning Questions podcast, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. And thanks for listening to the Burning Questions podcast.